the vibes were on another level at BMO Field last night. I heard some uh, Italians made their debuts. I, I don't know if you heard about that. Um, but it was a uh, fantastic debut uh, for both uh, Lorenzo Insigne and Federico Bernadeschi. Um, we got to see what we think this team is going to be going forward in a 4 nil. Uh, first half drubbing of Charlotte FC. Welcome to this week's uh, Day After Tunnel Club show. Uh, you're with your host, Mike Newell, um, and with Sean Levy, as always. Um, I mean, look, that was, uh, that first half, that first 45, was maybe the most electric first 45 minutes um, that TFC fans have seen maybe ever um, in just in terms of obviously the hype going into the game and then all that hype being paid off very quickly. Um, But as always, Sean, at the start of the show, I'd love to get your thoughts on what you saw. Before we get into, like, we're going to get into the game, obviously. We're going to get into, um, you know, the 245s because we're drastically different halves. But um, just give me your, your overall just feelings and impressions on just the, the match last night in its sort of, you know, just its singular form. Well, I mean, I was so excited um, all day. I was very disappointed I didn't get to go to the game. Um, I decided to be cautious and not attend uh, as a few of us after last week's away trip caught COVID. So um, even though it was past my five days, I said, you know, I'd better be safe than sorry and not risk uh, potentially spreading it. So I stayed home. But the anticipation all day long was insane. And I think even as, you know, I'm watching it on TV and just just the vibe, you could feel the Like, I'm not there, but I could feel the vibe. Like, the stadium had a buzz. There was an energy. Um, seeing everything on social media about just the crowd beforehand, like the lineup, like everybody was noting. I think even Michael Singh had said like he hadn't seen a lineup like this in in ages. I think since like 2018. Like so, there was definitely an energy, a vibe, a buzz pregame that you know the team. I don't. I, I'm hoping they felt it, but like right from the get go, they came out on the on the front foot and like you said it was a tale of two halves but that first half was boy it had a lot of fans excited absolutely and uh ravi Adjula just just says here i'm using the hashtag tfc tunnel club the energy in the stadium is completely sucked out after the halftime subs uh fair but i also think that um I also think that the, the overall energy, even with the halftime subs, was still pretty strong, right? Like, I still think um, there is there's an op- there's a new optimism uh, amongst the the fan base, and it's it's warranted. It's it's absolutely um, justified based on that first forty five minutes. Um, but for me, like it, like again, I couldn't actually even go either. Um, I worked uh, the Forge game here in Hamilton. Uh, 3-1 win for Forge, by the way. Rubens Passius, great goal, but different show. 
Um, but yeah, like I just just seeing it on television, you could just feel the the anticipation and the the just the obviously people have been waiting for a really long time for this to happen. And to see it play out the way it did, to see both Insignia and Bernadeschi really take control of the game and of the team, but also to see the players around them raise their games. I think that's, I think that's a part that uh, we should, we could spend some time on because, you know, we'll get into Michael Bradley, obviously, but even for Kosi, for, for Kosi, for, for Mark Anthony K, for, for everybody, everybody's game went up another level with these guys in the lab. And that's what, and that's the mark of really good, players right, really great players is that they raise the level of the team around them uh and that was definitely evident in the first 45 minutes i don't know if you sort of agree there sean no definitely i think that that's an important factor is that the 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 intensity level from everybody was on a different level like we haven't seen that um i and we'll touch on a few of the other players who definitely you've noticed how you know just how more composed they were um compared to usual but that first half was it was a sign of what two professional like two real top-notch professionals i mean three if you really want to add crushito because i think what he's done on the defensive side it's it's massive and, and i don't think a lot of people you know like we haven't first of all we had a clean sheet yesterday we haven't seen one of them in a long time. <laughs> and there's, you know, it's not one player that did that. That was full-on team defense because even in the second half when after the subs, there was a few times where you just saw a few of our players just make sure that they got their body in front of the ball, did whatever they could to make it a contested shot versus an easy shot on target. So, the, so there's a lot of, like, Regardless of the tale of two halves, there's a lot of positives that you have to take out of yesterday's game. Uh, you know, we're not going to harp on certain things in the second half, but we will point out the drop in 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 the level of play between the two halves. Well, yeah, I mean, look, that's that's to be expected, right? When you take out two players the caliber of Lorenzo Insigne and Federico Bernardeschi, yeah, and you replace them with kids, right? You replace them with two, you know... Yeah, okay, Jaden Nelson isn't a first-year pro, uh, per se, but this is the first year he's getting major minutes, and DeAndre Kerr is a rookie, right, straight out of college. Yeah, you're going to see a drop in ball retention. We talked about that last week on the show, um, and you definitely saw a team that dug in defensively. Uh, but to to add on to your point about the positivity around the game, they held on for the clean sheet. Yes, it was 4-0, and, and maybe the game was was beyond Charlotte at that point. But that second half, Charlotte had almost all the ball and were creating opportunities. But like you said, you know, whether it was Daniil Henry coming in, who shout out to Daniil Henry back with TFC, which is awesome to me. Um, but, you know, or if it was some of the young players, you know, putting their bodies on the line, I, I think... You that is a positive you take away. It's one game. I, I'm not going to get too carried away, but 
that's a positive to see that the team dug in because let's be real that team a week ago probably concedes and maybe more than once under that kind of pressure from Charlotte. And this week they found a way they dug in and they got the clean sheet. Yeah. I I mean, for me, I mean, once watching the second half, that was kind of the only concern is like, can we hold on for the clean sheet at that point? I did not. I mean, outside of the one moment when Jaden got hard fouled, I didn't really see them looking dangerous anymore. Um, But it was just a matter of don't concede. That's kind of, that's, that was my, my end all hope for that, for the final 45. And I think that's, I think that's a good thing, right? Like, Like in the sense that, you know, if they can go out there for 45 minutes and the idea is, okay, we've got a four nil lead now, let's focus on defending. Let's focus on getting a clean sheet. That has to do a lot for confidence if they go out there and they accomplish that, right? It's not pretty to watch, you know, obviously. It's not something that you want to see every week. Uh, but in a moment like that, yeah, of course, you, you would, that, that's a positive that you can take away from the game. Um, just a couple of comments coming in. Uh, first of all, Kula is just wishing uh, Sean uh, to get well soon. I don't think you did. Well, did you come down with COVID, actually? Who, me? Yeah. Yes, no, I definitely caught it. Like I okay. tested positive um, and was, uh, yeah, I had a rough uh, early part of the week. Yeah, no, fair enough. I know a few people that made the away trip uh, did catch COVID, um, but we're all wishing yourself and everybody else uh, who went and uh, feeling a lot better. I've talked to a few people and they're starting to be on the mend. So that's a good thing. Um, just Robbie saying proof of concept uh, from the fan response to the product on the field. Yeah, we're talking a lot about the second half, but let's get into that first half. Wow. I mean, that's that's all you can say. And I've got to put my hand up too, right? Like, you know, as, as, a, as a fan, like I was kind of like, well, is it going to take them a while to bet in? Or are they going to need some time to get? Nah, they were good. <laughs> I, I, like, I, I was confident that we'd win. I, I'm pretty sure you can find my tweet where, you know, I said, I asked for predictions and um, me and Corey were having a convo, and I said two one win, <laughs> and I predicted an Italian was going to score. I just, just didn't think it was one uh, someone that just only played in Italy for a bit <laughs> to pop in two. But um, I mean, just if you look at how the, the team started on the front foot, they came out hungry, wanting to score, and even after the first goal, which you know I'll take it, any goal is a goal, right? But it kind of made you wonder, like, is today's going to be a funny day, isn't it? And I kind of, like, at that moment, I knew right then I, I, I was, wish I was at that game because I'm going to see a bunch of goals and something, you know, we hadn't seen before, TFC popping in four and one half, you know. So it was, it was, it was a game of, it, I mean, it was just, it must have been real beautiful to see. Because I was, I was sitting here, I was jumping up, I was excited that first half. I was, you know, like, I can only imagine what it would have been, what it was like being there live. Absolutely. And I think talking to, you know, uh, people in the South End, other people that had, that were there in different parts of the stadium, everybody was into it, according to them, right? And then you could feel, again, you could feel that on the television. Everybody was into it and engaged and obviously, you know, let's talk about the goals. Um, the first goal, lucky, fortuitous. Yeah, it kind of comes off uh, Jonathan Osorio's backside a bit um, and into the back of the net. 
but I feel like that's the luck TFC have been missing this year. Just you, yeah. Sometimes you just need a fluky little goal to get you started, but the build-up to that goal, the way that the ball was worked around, I believe from Mark Anthony K out to Insigne, you know, back in the through, you know, like the, the, the way that that had all been set up and its build-up play was fantastic. I think it's like a close to a 50 maybe pass move. I got to go back and count again, but um, you know, the, the, the build-up play, which we have talked about it in the past and other shows. Right. But like, obviously we only saw little moments and flashes of it. We never saw the full thing. The last night we saw the full thing and, you know, within three minutes, they had already broken their defense. And, and obviously again, a little bit of a fortuitous bounce, but Hey, you kind of make your own luck in that way. And that's how, uh, that's how I saw the first goal. Yeah. I mean, it's something we've always wanted to see is, and we talked about this prior to NCAA coming is that when you have a player like him or players like him who can now spread the field, TFC becomes more of a potent attack when you can actually, when you're not condensed down the middle, trying to just force everything. And that like, and that's essentially what they were doing in the first 20 minutes is they opened up the field and that, I mean, now they have the ability to attack on on each side, but that's essentially what they did up to the first few goals was by spreading the field, opening the play, allowing, you know, defenders aren't forced to just like, all right, let's compact that middle and that knowing that TFC can't break them down. And, and that's, you know, an exciting thing to see, um, which again, played into that first goal. And something I've always harped on, I mean, this, it was slightly a, different scenario here but you know anytime you're in and around that 18 those lucky bounces are sometimes what you need right whether it's just shooting it from anywhere and hoping it you get it whether you get a deflection or whatever the case may be but more often than not you need those type of lucky bounces to 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 get those scrappy goals yeah and i think getting that goal that early kind of settles the team down a little bit. Like obviously they came out with a like a ball of energy. Obviously with these two players now in the lineup like I said earlier, elevating the rest of the players in the team, but getting that early goal and getting it kind of out of the way just allows everybody to kind of take a quick little breath and now you can really play your football. Um and that's that's sort of the almost what I what I kind of sensed after they that first goal win is like okay, we got the first one. Awesome. Now let's roll. Like, you know, let's now show them what we can do. And I mean, Charlotte had no real answer for for Insigne and Bernadeschi and and Crescito too on that overlap, right? Like they just they didn't re- they they kind of looked like a team overwhelmed uh, at, at times. And and that's that's the positive kind of great thing you want to see is is kind of this team just being able to when they get their foot on the ball, are kind of able, from an attacking perspective, kind of overwhelm uh, your opponents, especially if you can do it early and put them behind the eight ball, which, let's be real, this team prior to yesterday was always a team having to play from behind, right? And obviously, it's, you know, not saying anything revolutionary here, but playing with a lead makes defending a lot easier. Yeah, definitely, you know, were able to control at least in the first half control how everything played out and 
I mean, you go into a halftime game leading four nothing. You should win that game, right? And regardless of of how the team looked in the second half, they held on, right? And not only did we get the three points, we got the clean sheet, and that has to be a positive momentum going into a very crucial Canadian Championship game this Tuesday evening. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, of course, this is uh, the fan show. We've been sort of going off here because we're excited, obviously, after last night's result. But we want to hear from you. Uh, if you want to grab the mic, uh, go ahead and do that on the bottom left-hand corner if you are listening on your phone. Uh, or if you prefer uh, to type in any questions or comments, uh, go ahead at mention us. Uh, if you're in the spaces, obviously, you can see uh, one of the tweets I've pinned here. Just use the hashtag TFC Tunnel Club. A lot easier for us to find your comment and read it out. Uh, and then we can... We'll bring them into the show. Uh, but the second goal, you know, the second goal, uh, the the Bradley header, the, the, the very nice, very, very nice set piece uh, worked again, uh, comes off a, a bit of great build-up play. Um, and then uh, uh, Bernadeschi puts in a great cost. And clearly that's something that, hang on. Another day, another, another day in Hamilton. Um, <laughs> no, um, yeah, obviously that's a set piece that had been uh, discussed between Michael Bradley and Bernadeschi because that was, uh, you know, that looked like a set or really set play where whether it's Michael Bradley or Mark Anthony K is going to make that near post run and try to flick on. And it was uh, just a great flick header um, from Michael Bradley. Uh, Well-placed. It really was. And, I mean, to actually go prior to that, if we actually go to um, the, our first corner kick of the game, where Osario probably should have scored prior to his first goal. I mean, if you know – when you have – like, you have two new players who've, who've joined the team who each one of them seem to be corner kick specialists. And – you now have, we've never been really a threat on set pieces. And from the get-go, all of a sudden now, we seem to be threatening. You know, it's like I said, Osario should have got that first one. You know, Bernadette sends a, a beautiful sh- corner uh, uh, kick to the near post. Michael just, like, it was, again, timing. Whether, whether it was something they worked on in the one full practice that they've had together as a team, which was Friday, I mean... It, again, it's just one of the more pos- one of the many positives that we can you know touch on today, and hope that it's something that we we're going to see down the road. Absolutely, and again, I, I think you're you're just and people have said it on this show before, right? You know, they've talked about the idea of quality being sort of the missing factor with this team is just having those players who can make make those opportunities really count you know set piece whether it be set pieces whether it be you know uh lovely play at the top of the box and you're in and just getting that shot off and the difference between not having it blocked and getting it through on goal those kind of those kind of small things like i for example um i believe it's in I, I believe this is on the Bernadeschi goal um, or on an, uh, no, sorry. This is on an opportunity that wasn't a goal, uh, but it was a play where 
Insigne gets the ball on the wing and is driving towards the defenders. And what he does so cleverly is kind of takes an, an extra step in to attack the defender, drawing an extra defender out, and then a slight little ball to the overlapper, Crescito, who then puts in a wonderful ball. If it's just a little bit, a little bit stronger, a little bit higher, I believe Jonathan Osorio is right there for an open tap-in header, right? And those are the things that the, the team has been missing, right? Those are the things that uh, the, 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 just the team weren't able to really execute at, a really, at that level yeah. uh, prior to them arriving. And I think that's going to be a major difference going forward when you're watching this team. Oh, oh yeah. It's a, it's a, and it's a higher soc- soccer IQ. It's being able to analyze the pitch in such a like in such a split second to be able to see that and know what to do and hold it up enough just to wait what wait to um, wait for Crescito to to lay out the pad. Like those are the kind of things that again we love. You know, for example, the the youth movement or or what they were trying to do, but they don't have that IQ yet of understanding those things and knowing when, when to move and how to move. And when you have that kind of quality come in, like you said, it changed the way the whole team played, you know, and hopefully that can continue to motivate, not just the guys that are playing with them on the pitch, but when you come off, when, you know, second half comes in that, you know, the guys on the bench are watching what they're seeing and knowing how to implement it themselves when they step on the field. Absolutely. And uh, we just got some comments here that the audio is cutting in and out. So we do apologize for that. I'm not sure why that's happening. Uh, But for right now, I'm just going to go sort of headset free and see if that that helps. Um, But yeah, no, to your point, I I think that that raising of the soccer IQ is going to be such a massive, uh, a massive uh, boon for Toronto FC, especially as you say, going into the Canadian Championship final. We'll get into that in a moment. Uh, the third goal, I mean, that's just quality from Bernadeschi and quality from Mark Anthony K. Uh, again, that this is something that we talked about uh, after uh, Mark joined the team. Right, this ability to be progressive, to dribble progressively forward, and then find a little pass little slip pass to Bernadeschi and then you know the quality to just get it out of feet really quickly and get a shot on goal um which I know I, I think I, I was watching a bit of the um Charlotte feed and they kind of questioned the goalkeeper if he could have done better with the shot but honestly it was hit with enough pace and it was skipping on the ground enough that I, I don't think uh, the goalkeeper could have done much uh, with that, because uh, it was just always tailing away from him. Uh, but again, a great goal and a great debut, and a, a goal and assist on your debut, an assist on uh, a debut for Insigne. You couldn't really ask for much of a better start there. You couldn't. And I mean, even if you just, when you watch the build up to that goal, what shocked me is how Mark Anthony K was able to pull two more defenders towards him that allowed Bernadeschi to to be wide open. Like the play, instead of, I don't know why a defender didn't stay with him, but Mark shifted everyone and they all shifted to him. He laid it off. And it was literally like, whether, I don't know if the goalie would have gotten it. And it wasn't as if it was, you know, a bullet of a shot, but it was, had enough power behind it. And like you said, the way it skipped, it was going in the back of the net. And, 
like that's what kind of impressed me the most is how, you know, having a player like Mark Anthony K, a more like basically our midfield and forward now will be a lot better when they when it's time to actually attack and move the ball around. You see the movement that Mark has that Jonathan like Jonathan seems to have a a, a spring in his step. He's he's he was moving. He was everywhere yesterday. Like I think somebody did point out the 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 stats for those two like. Mark and and Jonathan were all over the pitch yesterday. They were they were just they were they were bossing up that 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 pitch. And then Michael was rejuvenated, you know. And when you can get a rejuvenate Michael Bradley, like that's only going to improve as the season goes along. Absolutely, and this goes into a tweet we got from Jordan. Just uh, hashtag TFC Tom Club. Was that the was that first half the best performance you've seen from Michael Bradley since 2017? Um, it, interesting question. I know this has sort of been out there. You know the you know Michael Bradley gets the brace, the fourth goal, um, the great build up again. Insigne with the just audacious little back heel flick, uh, and then Michael Bradley just slaloming through uh, defenders and a beautiful chipped finish. Uh, for the fourth for the fourth goal and uh, what I loved about that was Bob Bradley's little smirk uh, a little shadow of a smirk on the sidelines if you're on if you're watching it on TV I think TFC social media also has it out there as well um, but uh, look I, I think this is a, again a player that can raise his level with the players around him and also this was pointed out in a few tweets in a few comments out there he doesn't have to he doesn't have to take on so much anymore, right? Like earlier this year, you know, he had to do a lot. We talked about it on the show with Pozuelo being free and leaving spaces and gaps that was exposing Kosi and other, other wing backs. And, you know, that also exposes Michael Bradley to uh, having to do a lot. Uh, and then, you know, you lose Jonathan Osorio to injury for a bit and you don't have a settled midfield sort of replacement for that. If he can just kind of focus on being the best kind of Michael Bradley without having to also try to worry about doing other people's jobs, then you get the best out of Michael Bradley. Yes, he's 35. Yes, the legs aren't the same anymore. But he was everywhere last night again, right? Like that was kind of the classic Bradley. He is everywhere winning all the ball. Like, and especially in the first half, like he was winning everything uh, and, and being able to then advance the play. Uh, to a Bernadeschi or to Mark Anthony K or or getting it out to Insigne, and and that's where you know you you kind of you you realize why he's still so important to this team, even though you know the the comments are out there that he shouldn't be playing every, every ninety minute. I still agree to that as well, but you know in those moments, that's kind of the best Michael Bradley uh, that you can get. Yeah, no, I mean. I'm not going to get into that, whether it was his best game since, but it was a game where, he, again, he didn't have to be, he wasn't overworked. He was able to just do what you need Michael to do. And again, he wasn't the only, like when everybody contributes in, in deciding to come back and help on defense, when everybody wants to be part of the, the, the building, uh, moving the ball from the backup where there's less gaps nobody's working harder than any, like everyone is doing their part. And that allows Michael to, to play his skills to truly shine because he's not forced to be overworked. 
And it's, it was really that simple. Like, I mean, anytime they're moving the ball up, I think there was only one time where, and you, you saw, because, you know, I think there ended up being a uh, stoppage in playing. You saw um, Osario kind of give it to um, Bono for rushing to throw the ball up instead of just taking your time and building it up from the back because they were, that's kind of what they want to do. Build the ball, move it around easy, let the ball do the work and not have to chase and run all the time. And when he plays that way, you see how that first half plays out. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, and that is Bob Brown's system. That's what worked so well at LAFC, right. In his time there was this ability to play on the back, but also be progressive in the way that they move forward. And, and of course, it helps when you have a Carlos Vela, and now helps when you have an Insigne and a Bernadeschi to be able to do that, right? And you have Mark Anthony Kay being able to be progressive, right? And you have Jonathan Osorio who can be progressive, but also get into the box and score goals himself, right? Now, and now, and now if you can have a Michael Bradley who can kind of be the best version of himself, uh, in terms of, get, hey, be the ball winner. Go win the ball, progress it, and, you know, stay in that spot and, okay, pick your moments to maybe make a late run or or things like that, then that's when you get the best out of him. When you're asking him to have to cover the entire midfield and then also drop back and cover for all the center backs because they're exposed, that's when you get the bad Michael Bradley, in my opinion. No, I definitely agree. Um, and like I said, when you have everybody – when you have those two players added to the pitch, you it allows every you know it seems to not just allow motivates everyone to give it that much more to hustle harder, whether it's even if it's a turnover, win the ball back, um, you know make your your teammate not have to work hard for a pass by giving a simple pass versus trying to be you know trying to make that perfect uh, long pass. They simplified the game and. That's when, like you said, you see the best of Michael Bradley. Um, I had a question for you, and definitely even for, for our audience. Do you feel they were focusing too much on the left side uh, in the first half, trying to, use, you know, versus using maybe the right more with Bernadeschi? And maybe that could have opened up Insignia a little bit more? Uh, potentially, but I think what you want to do is you have that connection between Bernadette or sorry, um, Insigne, uh, especially because Osorio likes to drift out to the left as well. So you have those connections there. And then the overlap of Crescito, which again, you kind of mentioned it at the beginning, right? Like I, I think his influence defending is so important. And especially because it, when it relates to somebody like Michael Bradley, just more confidence in being able to, put that ball out there and knowing that it's going to get held, that it's not going to get lost immediately. And uh, from that perspective, and then from an attacking perspective, his ability to overlap and put in great balls, you know, those, you know, nine times out of 10, eight times out of 10, that ball is going to be, is going to be good. It's going to give, you know, a Jesus Jimenez, a late running Osorio, a Bernadeschi, even if it's somebody like, uh, like a Kosi Thompson coming late in, you know, an opportunity to get to that ball and make something happen. Uh, so I think that's why they played a lot on the left. I think as as Bernadeschi and I guess it's going to be Kosi Thompson going forward for now, um, unless some move gets made that we don't know about, that relationship develops a bit more, then you'll see a little bit more play uh, on that right-hand side. But yesterday, the 
the the weakness in Charlotte was on that left, uh, and that then that's really where where those goals came from. Right. Nope. And that's more than fair. And I think you also have to play to your strength, right? You know, n- no disrespect to Kosi, but Prashito is, you know, we, we we're already seeing again what he brings to the table. Uh, not and I'm not even on the defensive side, just on you know as an attacking uh, left left back, um, which he's more than surprised me. Like I we we had discussions earlier, and I was worried that you know will you know a quick MLS will he be able to keep up? He's got pace, he's got smarts, he's like, and again we haven't really touched on the de- defense, but the defense like. The back four last night were solid, and I, even in the second half, when when they made the sub and brought in Henry, outside of that one foul, which I wonder if the league is going to look at, um, you know, like they did, they weren't, uh, they didn't want anything getting back, getting past them last night, and you could see, like as a as a unit, that they were working together. McNaughton, outstanding. It's by far his best game in a TFC uniform where he, you know, and clearly O'Neill has been, has become the best signing that they, outside of the two, the, the now the Italian superstars. But what he's done back there when we, our, D, our center back scenario been in shambles, he's been basically the solid force back there that is now solidifying what, what we need out of our center backs and he's patrolling, he's controlling them back there. And I think, I think we're, you know, outside of tweaking a few things, adding, uh, you know, definitely adding another center back and a right back. There's a lot of positives to look at from the defensive standpoint that we haven't really been able to say all season long. Yeah. And look, it's one game, right? So let's not get too carried away. Uh, it is one game. Uh, it was against an expansion side. Actually, pretty decent expansion side, uh, but you know, I think we, I think we can take the pauses from this game, and then we'll kind of, hopefully, they can build that momentum going forward. A couple of uh, tweeted in questions here. Um, first from RJ, just do first of all, just some more tactical. Do you think there was any particular reason Benedeschi and Insigne came off last night, or was that uh, that they want to rest for? the Canadian championship uh, if you're able to play in it. Yeah, I think, look, one, I don't think they're both 90 minutes fit yet. Uh, That's one thing. And I think the other is just you are thinking about Tuesday night because Tuesday night's important, right? This club wants to be playing in Champions League with their shiny new toys, right? Like that's, that's really important to the club. Bill Manning has mentioned that before, that winning a Canadian championship and getting in the Champions League both from a financial perspective, but also from a club notoriety perspective is important. Uh, And it's the last kind of big trophy that this club wants to win. So I think they are taking Tuesday quite seriously and, uh, you know, subbing them off. First of all, easier to sub them off when you're four nil up after a half, right? Instead of two nil. If they were like two nil up, I, I suspect they maybe come out for, 20 minutes and then they get subbed off after 60, 65 minutes. Right. Um, but with four nil up, give them a chance to rest uh, and then get them ready for a Canadian championship uh, final on Tuesday night, whether they both start or one starts, one comes off the bench. I don't know. 
because uh, obviously people are going to ask questions about should they be playing on turf. Honestly, these guys are going to be fine. I, I really don't see a particular issue. Maybe you're careful with Insigne on turf, but I, I really don't see too much of an issue on that. I think it's just making sure that their legs are good as they may not be 90 minutes fit. Sean, what do you think? I'm pretty positive. Even I know pregame, Bob said that um, at least with Insigne, uh, he won't be playing the full 90. Um, but I'm pretty sure even prior to that, it was said that neither of them would have played the full 90. I mean, Bernadette, had one full day of practice with the squad. Um, the other day, I think he practiced on his own. And seeing that we knew he was coming off of the injury, they, there was no way they were going to play him the full 90. I think that was always their plan. Like you said, up, when you're up that much at halftime, it makes more sense to say, you know what, call it a day, right? Don't, there's, there's no point. You're, you got that lead. They're both came off healthy, let's just rest. Take it easy. you got a key game that you know the club wants to win. Part of the selling factor is that we're a big club. We play in Champions League, yada, yada, yada. Well, you got to win Tuesday to play in the Champions League. Yeah, you gotta, so, that's your only way in right now. So you got to win it. Uh, so, you know, like, it's, it's whether we see them start, I, I can see, I could see only one of them starting and the other coming off the bench. Um, possibly even both of them coming off the bench, right? Let's maybe Bob doesn't want to again turf, short window travel. You know, you know that they're not playing at full night again, so we don't know what's going to happen whether they start. But neither I expect both of them will be on the field at some point. Yeah, for sure. Um, we'll see what type of or what capacity they'll be at on on Tuesday uh another uh just in, uh, just in terms of your point Sean about McNaughton last night Kula just says uh McNaughton was solid last night you know there were a few other comments uh from a few other people just talking about McNaughton uh yesterday uh, look I I think again you know solid you don't have to be spectacular uh you know it just just being just being solid, just making the right plays. Uh, you know, he did have a, a little moment in the first half where he kind of, kind of did a, a, a neat little fate to get to, to lose a defender. Now, obviously, if it doesn't work, you get the ball picked and he's hit it behind you. But it worked out. Uh, but aside from that, you know, he's good. He's actually, and this is from me also watching him in the Canadian Premier League as well. He's pretty good with his, with the ball at his feet, right? He's a good passer of the ball. Uh, you know, again, not spectacular, but a solid passer of the ball for a center back, which is right now what the team needs. They just need solid defenders, right? Nobody's spectacular. You just need somebody solid. And, and that's what he was last night. Yeah. And I think, you know, I'm, McNaughton has come in and has filled the role exactly. Like everything that has been asked of him, he's done. He's not, he was never expected to come in and, and start every game, but He's come in and he's asked to play a role and he's, he's learning to, to, to fully understand the MLS game, right? He, hadn't, he hasn't played in this competitive level, probably hasn't played in this many games in, in, his, in his career in one season. So he's finally coming into his own. Now having a, a player like Henry is only an added depth piece. You know, I know a lot of people, I, we all love having him back. But at the same time, he's just a depth piece. He's not the answer to our problem. Um, but 
it's good to see these young kids like a McNaughton, you know, be able to come from the CPL and not look lost in the MLS. No, I agreed. And uh, he's, again, if you could have him be solid, it allows you to either form a partnership with Shane O'Neill, who went off, I think, with like either a head injury or concussion. Uh, that's why Daniil came in in the second half. But if you can form a partnership there for the rem- for the remainder of the season, where you're just you clear the ball, you you can progress the ball uh, passing wise, uh, then you you got yourself a good spot. It's not again the complete solution. They probably still need to go and reinforce uh, the back line in the off season. But if that can give you sort of a bridge to the end of the season, then you're you're in a better spot than you were a week ago right or a week and a half ago and i think that's that's a good place or at least a better place i should say uh for for tfc to be uh, a couple more comments rolling in this one from chris uh just talking a bit about bernadeski and insigne how they love to create and whip balls in the box uh just wondering because jesus uh jesus uh jesus Jimenez likes to drop uh sometimes go why does he need to adapt and stay kind of in the box um, that's a good question. I don't necessarily think he has to be sort of, uh, yield number nine, always just, just scoring goals in the six yard box. I, I don't think that's not necessary. I think sometimes it's okay to be the person that drops because it does allow somebody like a Jonathan Osorio to then make those late runs, which defenders have hard times picking up because obviously the defender is going to follow Jimenez out. Uh, and then they, you know, if Osorio or Kay or Michael Bradley is making a late run from midfield, you know, decisions have to be made on who's picking up who. Uh, and that can cause a lot of issues. And that's uh, something that Mark Anthony Kay, I, I found at LAFC thrived on being able to make those runs and score probably more goals than he may have initially anticipated just having that opportunity because you had a Carlos Vela that everybody had to follow around and would drop out or would drop to the left or drop to the right. And it, it just opens up space for other players to, to make runs into the box. So I, I get where that comment's coming from. And, and obviously, you know, maybe that's a role when IO comes into the lineup that he can fulfill uh, and it gives you a different look when you're playing. So if you have to take Jimenez off like they did last night and Io's in and you have both Bernadeschi and Insigne in there, then yes, you have somebody that's going to be a little bit more in the 18 and uh, is going to be an, a threat aerially, right? And that's maybe that's what Bob's thinking in terms of just having, maybe having those strikers that can give you different looks. Yeah, I would agree on that part because I think, you know, Io and Jesus, they give you two different types of, of 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 a number nine or a striker, and I think what I where Jesus might might be a little bit stronger is his ability to hold up and and be a passer, not just a scorer. Um, and I think like even you saw some of it yesterday where he's he he got you know he got the ball in the eighteen and he wasn't looking just to attack; he's looking for the best option, right versus. I don't know, you know, I own a situation like that. We'll be always looking to go attack the net and, and that's okay. 
right? Because again, they're two different type of players and depending on who your opponent is might determine who you want to be playing up front, you know? Um, so we'll see what's going to happen between the two of them. I'm still wondering long-term if either one of those will be the answer. Um, that's something that I was thinking about today is like, I don't know if either one will be the right long-term striker answer that we're going to need with the, with what I'm seeing, how the team wants to attack, but we'll see. Yeah. I think for this season, they'll, they'll be fine. Right. Like I think they, they fit the need that you have at the moment. Again, in the off season, they, they may make a move. They may, change the way that they view that striker position they may want someone who is going to be a little bit more in the box and be and has a proven track record in terms of uh, being you know prolific in front of goal uh but for now i think they both fit and look i, I think there are a couple of times where jesus Jimenez, what he does sometimes well because he kind of goes out a little bit wide is he can get in behind uh, and he got in behind a couple of times. I mean, he scored a, a, I mean, he put the ball in the net. It was offside, but you know, uh, he has that ability as well. And we know IO has that pace to do that as well. On top of the fact that, you know, if, even if a center back can catch up to him, you know, he can truck him. Right. So from that perspective, you know, you, you do again, have that option as well between those two strikers uh, when you have that kind of quality on the pitch uh, a couple of questions also coming in, or a couple of comments, I should say, coming in just in regards to uh, the Canadian Championship final, just specifically around should Vancouver fans be nervous? Uh, you know, you know, how are the players going to hold up on the pitch? Uh, you know, it's interesting going into that final because Vancouver have been playing well recently, or at least been playing a lot better in the last couple of weeks. They lost last night to Chicago uh, 3-1 at home. Um, I mean, you go in with this, into this game with newfound confidence, right? I, you know, it's a, it's a short turnaround to Tuesday night. Um, I don't really know why, uh, Canada soccer put this on a Tuesday, this final on a Tuesday night, but Hey, it's Canada soccer. They do what they do. Uh, but I think you, you go into this game with a lot more confidence, right? Whether both play or one play, like we said, one starts, one sets, I think you, you go into this game knowing that you have a little bit more of an edge. And look, if you point back to the game earlier this year at, at BC place, arguably TFC walk away with that game of the draw. Uh, if it doesn't come to a VAR call, right? So, and that's with mainly the kids playing in that game. So, uh, you know, I think uh, it will be an interesting, it'll be a very interesting game. Um, you know, Vancouver are trying to pull a lot of people out for that match with, every sort of promo you can think of for tickets, uh, which, Hey, look, I mean, I, you know, obviously it's a bit of a laugh, but at the same time, like good for them, you know, they're, they're, they're trying something different to get, to get people out. I don't know if it'll work, uh, but you know, it's, uh, it's hopefully it's a, it's, it's a final that that's worthy of it. Cause I think it could be a really good final against two teams that are building their, their squads in very different ways. Okay. It sounds to me like, Vancouver's obsessed with trying to beat us in any way they can, like whether it be their social media team, whether it be listening to the, the broadcast team last night, hands down in their eyes, they're a stronger team than us. Um, regardless of what team they had on, or apparently they, I guess they had their one B team dressed for last night. Um, I think they had one of their 
an important guy go down in injury. Um, I'm not really worried in the sense of if we can, again, take build from yesterday. Like you said, the last time we played them, let's not really rehash that game, but I felt we got robbed. Um, we should have gotten the draw. Uh, and I just think you're going to see it. You know, you have a confident Osara. You have a con- confident Michael Bradley. You have, a, you know, a confident back line to a certain extent. Um, you know, you have a lot. Of, I think there's more pressure on Vancouver than us. And, you know, you start either one of those Italians and, and I have a feeling there's going to be a pro Italian crowd. Um, Yeah. I, 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 I'm, I'm confident we're going to get that win. Yeah. (laughs) I will, I will play a bit of a wait and see. I mean, it's look, I I think if you can get both on the, both Bernesci and Insigne on the pitch at the same time, uh, and and most of the eleven can play, you know. I think you should be fine, uh, and I, I think you're you're raising uh, you're raising another Voyager's Cup, and you're you've got a Champions League spot in the bag. I wouldn't necessarily overlook Vancouver. I'm not. Uh, I, I, it's not overlooking them. I'm not overlooking them, but I'm also saying like, okay, they they ha- they've had a pretty decent run um, going into their last prior to last night, but. I just don't think if we have the opportunity to play our, our best available 11 against their best available 11, I'm still willing to bet ours. Oh, yeah, for sure. We will have the better 11 if it's the full 11. Um, even, even with w- one of the DPs sitting on the bench, I would still rate our 11. Now, we're, we're – I will be a little more worried is, is in our midfield if Kay can't go. Um, yes. I'm not as worried about O'Neill not starting, but I would like – I think they took him off more precautionary than anything else because he did continue after that head injury. And it was a little nasty one, but I don't think – I think it was, again, more of a precaution than anything else. You're up four. Let's better be, you know. Let's give Daniel a run because, you know, you need to get him also some some minutes right now, right? He hasn't played in a bit, so you want to kind of get, you want to make sure that you, the, you know, you have all these guys that you can call on and that they they're not, you know, that they got some legs under them. Hmm. And and uh, Jordan just hashtag TFC talk any injury updates on K? Nothing yet. I uh, haven't heard anything about. Uh, the status of Mark Anthony K at this point. So we don't know what he's looking like going into Tuesday. Um, I'm sure we'll find out uh, pretty soon because obviously it's a quick turnaround. They're probably going to hit the hit a flight to Vancouver, maybe tomorrow, even maybe tonight. Um, they'll head out uh, to the West coast uh, and uh, we'll get an update on Mark Anthony K at that point. Um, just a couple of last sort of notes and comments coming in, uh, questions about, uh, the second half, uh, specifically around, uh, the, the incident, um, and the incident, if you're not aware is the call slash non-call, uh, Daniil Henry tackle, um, it's a good old fashioned Daniil Henry tackle. Uh, I'll put it that way. Um, 
I I'm not I, I don't know where I stand because I'm not a I'm not a hundred percent sure. I I didn't feel that it was from a VAR perspective. It was clear and obvious that there was a major like foul there. Um, just just that that's just my perspective. And then obviously the complaints from Charlotte will be that that play uh, uh, essentially led to. Jaden Nelson breaking in on goal and Christian Flukes pulling him down and getting the red card. But um, uh, me, for me personally, I didn't see enough to overturn the call on the field. I don't know how you're feeling about that, Sean. I mean, when you look at the replay, it looks a little harsh. I can't deny that. Like it's, and I think it's the problem is it's where it's located, um, like right at the edge of the box, and that's the kind of play that. But that's that again. You would think because of where it happened, VR would have reviewed that. But they did. They reviewed it. They they decided that it wasn't clear and obvious. And that's, I guess, where it's like. I mean, I mean, we've also seen enough to know that you can't always believe everything that happens with with VAR, anyways. But you know, it, from a TSC perspective, I'm going to take it right. But. Again, that's that's Daniel Henry. You're gonna live and die off that with Daniel Henry, you know. Like he's gonna look. I'm glad he's back. I think it's I think it's good for the club. I think look, he's like you said earlier, he's not going to be the answer. He's not the solution to your defensive problems. I think he's a good depth, solid piece. Um, and yeah, you're gonna live with uh, with uh, what Brian Burke once called truculence. Like he is the, the the football equivalent of truculence, right? He will he will tackle hard. He will you know he'll Chucky Lozano dudes. You know, like that's that's what Daniel Henry does, and that's and, what he's kind of always been. Um, and sometimes so that's like what he's sometimes that's what he's asked to do. We've seen it in for the national team, right? Like when you need somebody to do that, Daniel, step up. Yeah. And sometimes, it, it, look, I, I, again, yeah, you will live with that because, you know, he's going to, he's going to, he's going to, he's kind of like Chris Mavinga in that way. Um, but just Chris Mavinga sometimes, I, you know, can be a bit of a better tackler in that sense, but, or at least, you know, to get to the ball and win the ball. But you do need that sometimes, right? Sometimes you just need a, a physical center back who doesn't mind putting himself about, right? And in that, that's not a bad thing to have. I don't think you want that every game. Uh, that's why I, I still think they'll, they'll need to reinforce that back line in the offseason. But, you know, for a for an option that is, you know, going to be motivated, wants minutes, obviously getting ready to, to try to get into John Herdman's World Cup squad, uh, I don't think it's a bad piece to have. And again, from that perspective, I really didn't think it – my first initial thought it was it was not a foul. Um, and I thought he got the ball cleaning on the replay. Yes, he does get the player. Um, I, I just, I don't think, I think he still gets piece of the ball, right? And and that I think is where the VAR decision comes in, whether or not MLS disciplinary committee comes back later uh, and, and says otherwise, that remains to be seen. But generally speaking, uh, very rarely does the disciplinary committee overturn on-field VAR decisions. So if VAR comes out and says, not clear and definitive, an error, the disciplinary committee generally does not uh, overturn that. But 
hey man, it's it's the disciplinary committee. You never know what they're gonna do sometimes. Yeah. But um yeah, you gotta live and die with with those kind of tackles. And you know, fortunately it didn't affect us. Um you know, and yeah, you're right. We we you know it, it did lead to the build up play. Um and unfortunately, you know, caused a, a red card for Charlotte, but again, can't really like there's not much we can really say about that, right? Like when it comes to Daniel, that's gonna happen and let's hope it's it's there's less of that than more of things like like we want the hard tackle, we just want the, the clean hard tackle. Well, you're always dancing on a knife edge with Daniil, so fair enough. Um, I, I'm just looking here. I think that's it for comments. I think that's all we have got this week. Uh, so thank you, everybody, uh, for getting those into us and, and participating in the show this week. Uh, I think we'll wrap it up there. Um, look, great, great win. Great, great vibes around the club right now. It, it does feel like a, a bit of a new club. Uh, which is so weird to say with 12 games left of the regular season, but it, it really does feel like a new team in a way. And and look, if we kind of look at where the team is and the the standings, I still think it's pretty tough uh, for this team to make any kind of run for the playoffs. Uh, but, I mean... You know, if you take a quick look here, I'm just pulling up the standings right now. They're still 13th in the Eastern Conference on 22 points. Uh, you know, you, you think about it, you know, from where Cincinnati is, they hold the last playoff spot at 28 points. So you're only six back, but you got to jump a lot of teams. You got to jump five teams. And we beat one last night that we have to jump. So that was good. We beat Charlotte. Um, so we get a game off them. But, you know, you got to jump Chicago and you got to jump New England and Miami and Atlanta. Those are the teams that we got to jump. And we've got some games against uh, at least two of these teams for the remainder of the season. Do we play Chicago again this year? I'm trying to remember. Uh, I feel like we play, we play them one more time at home. I can't remember that. at home. Um, well, we play them on the road. So Didn't we already play them at home? Uh, yes, we did. You're right. Never mind. Yeah. So we, so we do have, we have New England and Miami, I believe, left, uh, this season between those teams. Uh, so those are going to be big six pointers. And then you're going to have to hope that some of the teams, uh, above us fall in terms of their, their form. I mean, look, for me, we, I want, I'm not even going to worry about the playoffs. The playoffs is, would be a, uh, icing on the cake. I want to see the team grow. I want to see consistent growth. I don't want to see any more of these ebb and flow moments of the season. It's 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 time that you know we solidify as best as we can a, a consistent starting eleven moving forward. Um, so that whether that be there's you know if there's going to be any, any more guys coming in and out before the the transfer window closes let's get them in sooner rather than later so that you can build because for me it's all about building something going in you know momentum going into a the champions league potentially and next year right and you need to have that that core 
that you know is going to be there so that whatever changes in the offseason need to be made, the right ones can be made this summer or this, this, this winter, right? Versus, you know, because we saw a big change over last year. This, this next year can only be adding the right pieces to solidify the core. Absolutely. Um, and, and look, it's as, uh, as some people tweeted at me and DM'd me this morning, you know, the, the chance of this team maybe running the table or running most of the tables now 50-50 in their eyes. We'll see. Uh, you know, they, they, they're going to have to – they can't afford a slip-up. If, if, if they're really thinking that they want to make a run towards a playoff spot, they, they, there can be no room for error or very little room for error. And, in fact, after the Canadian Championship on Tuesday, they play New England in New England, uh, I believe, on the weekend. So – that is going to be a pretty massive game because, you know, if you get that, you're at that point, you're at 25 points. Maybe, you know, maybe now you're looking at a possibility. Um, the, again, you'll need teams to, to drop results uh, ahead of you. And it's not impossible. I mean, if, if you look at it between Cincinnati, Charlotte, Chicago's on a good run of form right now. New England, Miami, and Atlanta, those teams can absolutely drop points. Uh, and, and even Columbus, who's sitting in sixth, could drop points uh, going forward. So it's still a, a, a distant chance, but there's a crack there. There's a crack with a bit of light. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but that's it uh, for this week's Tunnel Club Thank you so much, everybody, for joining, for participating uh, with your with your comments and your questions. I think we'll keep that format going going forward, just with the hashtag TFC Tunnel Club. So, if you ever have questions uh, or thoughts on, on the match, we'll we'll definitely take them there because uh, that's a great way to to get you guys involved in the show as well as uh, the mic option as well. Uh, Sean, any last thoughts before we hop off? Uh, you know what? Enjoy the win. Enjoy the the fact that we got a clean sheet, uh, you know, yeah, it was a tale of two halves, but the best part of the second half is that it still ended scoreless. So we're going to take the win. We're going to take the three points. We're going to hope the team can build some momentum and uh, bring us a championship on Tuesday. It's, it's, it's cup time. It's a cup final time, uh, which is always a, a fun uh, a fun place to be for Toronto FC. So Tuesday night, uh, late, so I think it's going to be a 10 o'clock start or maybe even a 10.30 start uh, for the Canadian Championship final against uh, Vancouver. Uh, that will definitely be one to watch. Uh, apologize for any audio issues uh, that we had today. Uh, sometimes that happens on Twitter spaces. Uh, I'll try to find out what the issue was. Hopefully we can rectify that uh, for a would let us know at mention us if you want us to run a late night uh tunnel club or maybe we'll even run a pre-game show instead of a yeah, post-game. Well, let's do the pre-game <laughs> okay. yeah yeah because that I, I don't think any of you would want to be up at 12 31 o'clock in the morning uh doing a post game but maybe we'll do a pre-game uh if that's something you guys are down for just uh, at mention us here on twitter and then uh maybe we'll set that up uh prior to kickoff 
on Tuesday. But uh, on behalf of Sean Levy, I'm Mike Newell. Thank you for listening to the Tunnel Club. Uh, day after show, vibes are strong. 4-0 win over Charlotte at BMO Field. Uh, and we will see you all on Tuesday. Take care, guys.